one verse of scripture, 2 Timothy 4 and 7, while you're standing. So familiar, you could quote it, I know. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the gospel. He is at the end, coming to the end of his days. And he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Tonight I want to talk to you about the intentional life. The intentional life. Let's pray for the preaching of the word tonight. Jesus, thank you for your presence, for the prayers, for all the things we've experienced already tonight in your house. Lord, tonight let us hear what the Spirit would say. Let it encourage us, challenge us, correct us if need be. But Lord, let it make us better and and better for your kingdom and of course ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before you're seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. This is one of those verses that is, like I say, it's well quoted. It's one of those, yeah, I've, I've done it. I've, I've, it's, it's one of those inspiring uh, quotes that Paul gave at the end of his life, and but it's more than that. It's uh, this short little passage that he says here. This little statement he makes. It is uh, the conclusion of a life that was uh, well lived, and it was. You're listening to the words of a man who has no regrets when it comes to the end. He says, "I have three different times. I have." Not, I started to, not I thought about it, I'll get to it, I didn't get to it, but he said, I have, I have fought, I have finished, I have kept, I have done it. He has lived, what you're looking at is the very definition of an intentional life. Paul was very intentional in his life before he understood who Jesus was as, as he persecuted the church. But even after Jesus knocked him down on the road to Damascus and let him know that he was a vessel that he was going to use, and that he even let him know right up front, I want to show him what great things he will suffer for my name's sake. And those things did not deter the Apostle Paul, but instead he said, I labored the more diligently. Uh, I, I, I went to work because he, I don't know if he felt like he was behind or he had, felt like he had to make something up, but he said, when I was called into this, he said, I labored the more. I wanted to do all I could do. Uh, he was very intentional about uh, his life, and that's why he could make the statement, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. You know, uh, there's a saying, and it's an old proverb, actually, so I, I don't want you to think I'm just up here trying to be salty in the pulpit. <laughs> but it says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's an old proverb. I looked it up, made sure it just wasn't some thing. I don't, so I don't want to be swearing from the platform. But, uh, but what that means is that... Uh, that all these uh, people who had good ideas never followed through. And let me tell you, intentions are good, 
but intentional life is better. Because you can have intentions and never do anything. Well, I intended to do that. You, you, you ever said that, you know, or thought that you, you was going to get to something, somebody else got to it first? Well, I intended to do that. Well, why didn't you? Well, I was watching the grass grow. I don't know. I was just, you, we get distracted and intentions, intentions, they won't feed you. you in, intentions will just leave you wanting unless you follow through. There's nothing there. But we live intentionally about things every day of our life. If we, you know, uh, when we get up in the morning, I mean, we get up with an intention. If it's going to work, going to school, there's something that you do that you're getting ready for for your day. And you take the steps to make it happen. But if you just keep saying, well, I intended to, but nothing goes on. I mean, it's just like, you know you need gas in your car. I intend on stopping before I really get too far. But then you don't. Because everybody's asleep in the car, and I really don't want to wake nobody up. So I'm going to try to make it to the next exit. And now you're out of gas on the side of the road, and everybody's mad. Well, I intended to get gas before I got before I ran out yeah but you didn't intentions won't fill the gas tank it don't fill the pantry it don't fill your bank account and it don't fix your problems but living intentionally is what gets things done there has to be a follow-through in our life intentions are nothing more than wishful thinking and daydreams if there's no following through friend if there in this life with God if there is a call there's got to be an answer the Bible says he called us out of darkness. Well, you got to answer. The call doesn't grab you by the throat and pull you out. It doesn't grab you by the back of your neck or your shirt and, and, and drag you kicking and screaming out of the light. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be uh, an intention and then a follow-through if you're going to ever be or ever see all the things that Jesus wants you to be and see. There's got to be an intentional life lived. He says, I'm standing at the door and knocking, but you have to open up. You've got to be intentional about letting him in. There's got to be a follow-through. You may say, well, I, I'm, going to school. I'm going to school. I'm going to be a doctor. That's my intentions. But then you never register. You never apply. Or if you even get into school, you don't study. If you're not intentional about it, I promise you, you won't make it. We've got all kind of college students and had different ones over the years. If you graduate four years of college, I promise you, you didn't just luck up and graduate. It was intentional. You had to keep your GPA up. You had to pass your classes. You had to pay the money for the classes so you could even be at school. You had to be intentional. And whether it was for four years, whether it was for your master's, whether it was for your doctorate, whatever you did, it had to be done with intention. But that's the key word. It had to be done. Couldn't just be the intention. That don't get it done. You got to follow through. Having intentions and living intentional, not the same thing. You got to be intentional about this life with God. I'm going to try to help you. The Bible says we reap what we sow. But if you don't sow, you don't reap. You got to be intentional. You never reap if you don't plant. Listen. The life that we have here is so brief, and it's so fragile. 
The scripture tells us that over and over and over again. You must be intentional if you're going to get something done. All these prayers and things that you want to see happen. You know, if you're not, you, all these things you want to if you're not praying about it, if you're not seeking God about it, if you're not, uh, you know, if, if you've got a goal for a ministry, if you feel like God's called you into ministry, but you never, ever apply yourself to being what you should be for that ministry, it's not, you'll die with that intention. Yeah, that's like burying your talent. It's like just, uh, well, I heard what God said, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And, and then we get to a point where uh, I'll get to it someday, but, man, you don't know when your someday is going to be over with. James 4 and 14 says, what is your life? It's just a vapor. It appears a little time and then vanishes away. You've got to get busy. i got to get busy. Jesus even said at, at the age of 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. I can't be piddling around and waiting uh, until, you know, he, he didn't just wait until he all of a sudden he was 30 years old uh, to jump into that ministry. He was already doing what the father had called him to do. And, and answering those doctors and questioning those doctors and surprising those doctors with the knowledge that he had at 12 years old. And his, his parents were blown away by it. But he said, I must be about my father's business. I've got to do what I was called to do. You know, intentional. We used to hear this a lot. A lot of elders would, would remind us of the scripture to redeem the time. And we are, we are charged with redeeming the time. In scripture, because we don't know when the day or hour is that God's going to come back. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. We, he said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. I better be intentional. If I don't want, listen, you ain't going to just look up and make it to heaven. You hear me? <laughs> you, you ain't just going to, oh, oh, look here, I'm in heaven. What about that? Never even went to church. Never prayed, never did anything. Just, wow. But I felt like I was pretty good, so I made it. I preached before, heaven don't just happen. There's some steps that's got to be taken. You've got to do some things. You've got to know some things. And, and we've got to redeem the time. Ephesians 5, Paul wrote to the church, 5 and 15 and 16. He said, see then that you walk. Walking is purposeful. Walk with intention. You know, even if you're walking in place, that's intentional. But he said, walk. You're moving. You're going somewhere. But he said, walk circumspectly. That word means exactly, diligently, perfectly, or as Paul said one place, uh, that he was a Pharisee after after the most straightest sect. And so it's the it's the discipline. It's 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 not something that's just hey I'm here I'm there I'm what no it's a very intentional walk. He said and don't there's two words he uses here don't walk as fools, but walk as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are here to work against the church. In the last days, evil men and seducers will wax worse. Jesus said that at the end of time, he said, don't be deceived. He said, because there'll be people saying Christ is here and Christ is there. He said, but don't go after them. Paul said, don't be spoiled by philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world. We've got to be careful. The days are evil. And if we're not intentional about staying right with God, we're going to get blown about with every wind of doctrine. 
We're going to get caught up in things that uh, catch our attention, catch our eye. If we're not intentional about following him, we're going to lose him. Because he don't stop and wait for you. He's moving. He said, follow me. And, and if we're not intentional about this day-to-day walk with God, about applying ourselves uh, to living for him, it doesn't mean we have church seven days a week, but I don't ever take a day off from thinking about him or the call that he put on my life. I never go a day without remembering that he saved me and washed me and filled me and changed me. I, that, that never leaves my mind. I can't afford to take a day off because, listen, the enemy is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And when he sees people taking a day off or taking a week off or they went on vacation, so they're going to take the whole two weeks off. That's a a sad thing sometimes when we go on vacation and we don't read our Bibles or we don't pray. I was on vacation. So what's that mean? You can't read your Bible in Florida? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, I, maybe you didn't get up and go to the service somewhere like that, but you couldn't get up that morning and read and spend some time with the Lord before you went to the beach or, or, or went s- snow skiing or whatever you were doing? Well, I, I just figured I was, I was taking, re- do you need a rest from God? Ah, uh, no, no, no. I, I want to be intentional about living this life because there are things I want to see happen. There are people that I want to see saved. There are uh, or, or miracles and signs and wonders that have yet to appear, and, I, and I'm believing it is, but I can't just sit around and wish for it. I intended to do this, but did you do it, or did you do anything about it? Jesus said that we must work while it is day. Because the night comes when no man can work. That's scary. There'll be a time where you want to follow through on the intentions, but you can't. So he said, be busy about the Father's business now. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Don't get disillusioned. Keep your hand on the plow and don't look back. Stay focused. Stay on point. Be intentional. Are you going to find yourself in a place where you want to do, but you can't do? Oh, I want to make sure that I am being very intentional about living for the Lord. This is not just a, a fan club. This is not just a, a, a hobby or something to pass the time, but this is life. Our life is hid in Him. And I, I want to be intentional about keeping the things that God has. That's why Paul would say, fight, keep, finish. Don't let go. Finish the course. Don't change course unless you're going the wrong way. But stay on the course that God puts you on. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm here because I had a praying grandmother. Man, that's fabulous. I had a praying grandfather. I had this elder. I had this mentor. I had this... In my life, this, I've got this heritage of all these things, and, and, and that's awesome. But, you know, I've watched people that had praying grandparents. As soon as that patriarch or matriarch went on to their reward, they went to heaven, and the kids went out of the church because they was living off grandmama's prayers. They was living off granddaddy's prayers. 
They was living off this elders' uh, faith. They was, you know, they were, uh, they, they, they would testify about that loved one. Oh, they didn't never miss a service. They was always working for the church. And all that time they were alive, they were right there with them. But as soon as they left this world, whew, they went out the doors. They quit coming. Their, their, their walk started falling off. And let me tell you, you're praying grandmama. She didn't pray so you could ride on the coattail of her prayer life. She prayed so you could get a prayer life. She did it for an example. She said, if you want to hear him say, well done, you better do well. If you want to walk through the gates and Jesus say, enter in, hey, listen, then you better do what it takes to get there because your granny, your granddaddy, your pastor, ain't nobody can take you with them. You hear me? If you was holding on to your praying grandmama's hand and you wasn't right and Jesus come back, you'd be standing there holding nothing. Because as much as she would want to, she can't take you. We've got to do what it takes for ourselves. We, we, we don't want to walk as fools. We want to walk as the wise. You know, if you want to keep something going, you got to do something about it. Yeah, I have a long time, you know, I've said things. I wish I could, could eat dinner at my grandmother's house one more time. Could nobody make biscuits like her? Could nobody make dressing like her? Could nobody make, you know, you start thinking of all the things you used to eat there. And, and I'm thinking, what if all them times I was over there and she was making it, I would have said, teach me how to do that. And then when she left, I'd still be able to enjoy it. And every time I took a bite, I could think of her. and Think about she taught me that. But we let those recipes just go on with them, don't we, sometimes. And we wish, oh, I wish I could just have their cookie one more time. Well, then learn it or lose it. And, friend, when God calls us out and calls us into this life, it's fantastic. But, man, if we pull up a stump and sit down and, and, and don't do nothing else, we'll stay right where he found us. I don't want to, listen, I, I don't want to live sitting on the altar. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm thankful for the altar. It's a place to come and pray, but, but I don't want to be at the same altar that he found me at. I don't want to be praying the same prayers that I was praying 30 years ago because I had made no, no growth and no maturity. Hey, growth and maturity is two different things. You're going to grow naturally, but maturity takes intention. And there's a difference in it. Now, I can, you know, someone, and we all know them. There's a lot of people, they've grown up. But, oh, they childish, foolish. They never grow. You got somebody in your hometown still trying to live in their glory days. And they think, yep, uh, they think they, 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 you know, 75 years old, think they're still in high school. Still trying to run around acting like they, uh, you know, uh, the, some kind of athlete. They're still wearing a letterman jacket, you know. I mean, come on. Time to grow up. Time to mature. Time to mature. But it happens in the church. I've been in the church 28 years. Still ain't got delivered. <laughs> come on, somebody. Hey, we got to be intentional. I know that the Lord, he said, when you pray, or he said, like, when you knock, it'll be open. When you, when you ask, it'll be given. When you seek, you'll find. And so, but that, that's intention. You can't just quote that scripture and say, you know, ask, seek, 
not. You got to do those things. We've got to do what it takes to get. God's got blessings abounding. But what are we doing? Are we even asking him anything? Are we seeking him? Or we just expect him to just wake us up and dress us and, and fill our belly and send us on our way? And mm, I, I want to be intentional about walking with God, looking at the time. I don't want to walk like a fool. I want to walk wise. One of the, one of the saddest scriptures to me is Matthew 25 and 8. In this parable, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins. And he said they took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. They were on a journey. And all ten took their lamps, but he said five were wise and five were foolish. Five were walking foolish, five were walking wise. What, what was the difference? The ones that were wise or were foolish, they took the lamp, but they didn't take any oil with them. Now tell me, everybody used lamps back then. They know it takes oil to burn it. That you're going to take your lamp, but no oil. Now you either think you're entitled to somebody else's oil, or think, ah, I don't see the need for oil. I don't know what their reasoning was. But the Bible says they were fools. They were all virgins, all represented purity and holiness and righteousness. That's what they all represented. Five wise, five foolish. He said, but the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Because, hey, let me know. You going camping, you taking your big flashlight, you go make sure it's got batteries in it. Well, I don't need no batteries for my flashlight. Does it work on batteries? Yeah. So you need to take batteries. Nah. It don't get dark in the woods you going to? Ain't no bears where you going? You want a flashlight, buddy. You want something to shine in the middle of the night when you hear a noise. You want a flashlight? Oh, I don't need batteries. It's a lamp. It takes oil. Yeah, I don't need oil. Why? You do need oil because you're a fool. Don't be foolish. Be intentional. Get what you need. Hang on to what you need. Get the oil in your lamp. Do what you got to do. While they all slumbered and slept, the bridegroom was tarried and it says, that at midnight there was a cry made. The bridegroom comes. Go out and meet him. There's an awakening. All ten wake up. Trimmed their lamps. Got ready. But the foolish, which didn't have any oil, said to the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. That's sad. If you had just... Taking what the lamp needed. If you knew you were going, if you knew you needed it, you're taking the lamp, you know you're going to need the oil, why didn't you take it? That's just like saying, I'm going to live for God, but I'm not going to pray. I'm going to live for God, but I'm never going to church. I'm going to live for God, and I'm never testifying. I'm going to live for God, and I'm never going to 
talk to him. I'm never going to worship him. I'm never going to praise him. I'm never going to read my Bible. I'm just going to, God loves everybody, so I'm just going to go to heaven on his love. Guess what? It won't happen. There'll be a host of people in that other place we were talking about. That, That place to get to with good intentions. And every single one, there won't be a soul in hell that went there unloved. But they didn't do what it took. Our lamps are gone out. But you know what the wise said? Nope, not so. Because if we give you, were to give you our oil, then nobody's lamp's going to work. You're going to have to do what it takes. He said, rather, you go to those that sell and buy for yourself. You got to get this thing for yourself. Ain't nobody will pray for you like your church family, but your church family can't save you. Hear me? Ain't nobody loves you like those praying grandparents, but hey, they can't save you. You are going to have to come to a place and a reason that you understand that I've got to get this for myself. uh, But I don't want to be trying to run and find the gospel at the last midnight hour while everybody else is on their way in through the door and I'm running around trying to figure out how to get saved uh, while it's called today while your life is still appearing redeem the time come on while it is today why don't you do it today oh I've talked to people well maybe next week maybe ne- what, what if you don't see next week well I don't like to think like that neither do I but it's a fact when Jesus would call people to follow him, they would make excuses. Well, I, I go bury my dead. I need to go say goodbye to those at home. He said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. He said, I, I, I'm, on, I, I'm on a timeline. I'm headed to Calvary. If, you go, if you're going to get what I've got for you right here, you better come with me. But we always think there's something more important, something that steals our attention. That's why Paul gave us that that great, great instruction when he said, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Fight, finish, keep. It's those three things right there. That's intentional. That's That's the success story of an intentional life. A purpose-driven life. He, he did everything. He preached everywhere. He did what he was supposed to do. He was uh, shipwrecked. He was beat. He was uh, left alone. Man, they, they, left, they stoned him and left him for dead. All kind of things happened to him, but he never stopped walking on that course. I'm not going to alter my course so things will get a little easier. He said, if I have to suffer, so be it. But I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't let the, the, the things that go on in the, I, I preached this before, don't let the things that happen on those dark, scary nights, don't let that change you. you, you don't, don't let those things, those trials and tests, those hurts and pains, don't let that knock you off course. Keep running the race. Finish the race. Finish the race. Intentions won't get you there. A follow-through will. You got to keep it. Fight and finish and keep. It reminded me, you know, I've said this 
before there's this, in Ecclesiastes it talks about a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, I've used that scripture tied in with Jesus when he said, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. I said, if you do those three things together, it makes for a strong walk with God. And it's not easily broken. And, but here's three more things. Fight, finish, keep. Man, if, you've, if those things are in your life, you, it's going to be hard to knock you down. It's going to be hard to knock you out. It's going to be hard to keep you out of heaven. If you'll fight, finish, and keep, they work great together and help us with this intentional life. And that's what I want to do. And I, I'm trying to, oh, I'm still going to beat the clock, I think. First Corinthians chapter 9, we've been called not to just worry about it. We do have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you make your own salvation, but you've got to work it out. But Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, you know, we got to save people. But if we're going to see God's house filled, you know, he, he, told, he talked about a, a parable about that where he, a, a man prepared a great supper and he sent his servants out. I need my house to be filled. And so he inv- sent invitations. That didn't do it. And so he sent them out and they brought some in. He said, well, we, we've done this, but there's still room. He said, then go get the lame, get the blind, get the halt, Get in the highways and the byways and the hedges, whatever you got. But f- he said, do whatever you got to do, but fill this house up. Yes. But that's going to, we can sit here and have church every Sunday and it'll be a bunch of saved people singing to each other and preaching to each other and just congratulating each other that we're still here. And people will be, be dying and going to hell by the handful. If we want to see this house filled, it's going to have to be intentional. We're going to have to do what we've got to do. In our walk, in our ministry, in our desire to see souls saved, we must be intentional. Do whatever it takes to get the job done. Don't just wish it. Don't just think it, but do it. you got to do it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, he said, For though I be free from all men, I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And listen to what he said. He said, unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became as weak, so I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And he said, and this I do. There it is. I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. I do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. He said, I do this for the gospel's sake. I do this for the saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. I, 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 to the weak, I become weak. Uh, you know, to the Jew, I become the Jew. Whatever. I just do whatever I have to do. Whatever situation I'm in, he's not being wishy-washy. He's not changing his beliefs. He's saying, I can associate with anybody because Jesus is for everybody. Doesn't mean he's a partaker of sinful things with him. He said, but I can be and communicate and connect to anybody because Jesus connected and communicated with everybody. 
with drunks, with prostitutes, with devil-possessed people. I mean, all the things that he dealt with while he walked this earth. And he was always changing their life. Because he was intentional about what he was doing. I must work the works of the Father that sent me. He said, I got to do it. I got to be busy about my Father's business. And so, he said, don't you know that they which run in a race, they all run, but one receives a prize. He said, so run so you may obtain. And every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things, and they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run. But listen, not as uncertainly. I'm not running in circles. I'm not running to a place I don't know where I'm going. I know this race I'm running. And he said, and I fight, not as one that beats the air, but I keep my body under subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others that I myself should be found a castaway. Paul said, I'm not running in circles, I'm not just swinging around at the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I know what I'm doing. I'm fighting a good fight. I'm finishing the course. Uh, a race is a course. So he's training. He's practicing. He's running. He's winning. He's fighting. He's finishing. He's keeping. So don't excuse yourself from greatness and great things in God just because you think uh, you lack or not good enough. Look, you're, you're your own worst critic. I, I can bet you that. If I was a betting man, I, I would tell you, you're your own worst critic. You, you, no matter who else is talking about you, ain't nobody tearing you down like you tear yourself down. That's just people. But once we get an idea, then do it. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. But a vision without any implementation, it don't produce you can die and perish with your vision if you don't do something about it. The disciples were all of different occupations in different places and different families, but they were all called to one purpose. Follow Jesus. Let him make them fishers of men. They had no prior training in any of this. They just had obedience and an intentional day-to-day walking, living, learning, growing, being, and fulfilling until he was taken up from them, and he taught them so good that they kept on after he left. That's a, that's a lesson we all learn. Keep on, even after those are gone. The ones that taught us, the ones that preached to us, the one that prayed for us, the one that maybe brought us in. If they go, they don't want you to quit. Keep going. But 2 Corinthians 8, 11 and 12 says this, Now therefore perform the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Do you understand that whatever it is you have, it works? As long as you work it. It may not be everything you want yet. But he said there needs to be a performance out of what you have. And if what you have is a praise, then use that praise. If what you have is a prayer, then use that prayer. If what you have is worship, use that worship. If what you have is a testimony, you can't quote all the Bible, but you can tell people what God did for you, use that. And there will be a performance out of what you have. It'll change somebody. He said, if there be first a willing mind, 
But are we willing to use what we have? Or are we so caught up in that comparison, this, this world, this social media? We, someone were talking about that the other day, but, you know, social media is killing people because they, they, they look at everybody else's life and I'm not as good as them and I'm not doing what they're doing and, and it's, Pastors get discouraged because they say, oh, he, he baptized 40 people this weekend and we only had 20 in church and, and they get discouraged. But if God calls you to pastor 20, then pastor 20. And if he calls you to baptize 40, then baptize 40. Do your best with what you got, where you are, and God will bless it. If there first be a willing mind, if you're willing to say it's okay, you got to start somewhere. What about these people that, that start a church with nobody, just a family, get together, and all of a sudden they got two in their home, in their living room, and they pray them through, and then they bring a few more, and all of a sudden now they're 15, then they're 40, then they're 50, now they're 200. But it started with four. But were you willing to do something, be intentional with what God had placed in your lap? And use that. Use it. Quit trying to wait till it grows up and gets better. Use it now. He said it is accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not. Honey, come on up to the music. I'm, I'm one minute off the clock. I'm about to be done. Well, fix me 8 o'clock now. Oh, go ahead. Give me two minutes. You remember this. This is a course. This is a course. It's taking us on a destination. But every step forward on the course, no matter how small, it's intentional. And it's in the right direction. So grow, mature, and live for Jesus every day. Dream. Get a vision. Get a burden and then be intentional about following it through. Come on. We're living in a time where the kingdom of God. Now listen, I know that God can do it all by itself. But this world needs people that will get a burden. And that they will be intentional about seeing that burden through. That they won't just sit around and say, oh, it will be so good. You know, if people would come to church, well, have you invited one single soul? It always amazed me in those beauty pageants when those girls would come up there and they would say, I just want world peace. Uh, what are you doing about that? Well, it just sounds good for the pageant. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm going to be a weather girl somewhere or something. I don't know you know. You do it working on world peace. You just want a crown and a sash and some roses and people to take pictures of you. I don't want to just talk about seeing people saved and, and seeing the gospel furthered and, and seeing people reached. That's not who we are. He didn't call us to just put on a show and uh, I've said before, man, if we if we advertise it on the menu, you better have it in the kitchen got to have it. Oh, 
Dream a dream. Get a vision. Get a burden. And then do something about it. When Nehemiah found out that Jerusalem was, walls were broken down and gates were burned, he was so tore up over it. But he didn't just sit there and cry and not do nothing. He went to the king. He got permission from the king to go and build. And then he told the people about the good hand of God on him about it. And he, he rallied them together. And he fought opposition. He fought enemies. And they got the wall built. Because the people had a mind to work. They were intentional about it. When Elisha followed Elijah, he didn't say, Woo, I got a good master. And he does all these miracles. And I'm glad to be just following him. And, and that's good. And When he found out the Lord was going to take him away, Elijah told Elisha three times. He said, Terry here. And three times Elisha said, No way. I'm, I will not leave you. And so they kept walking and kept going and kept going. And he finally, he asked Elijah for a double portion. And Elisha said, well, or Elijah told him, said, Elisha, you can have that. But it's a hard thing you've asked. But you can't have it. But here is the condition. You've got to see me when I'm taken away. So you better not take your eyes off of me. You better not take your eyes off me because as bad as you want it, if you miss this, I'm not swinging around for a second pass. Oh, we better keep our eyes on him. He said, follow me. We better keep our eyes on him. We better keep our eyes on that high prize uh, for the, that, that calling, that prize. We better be like Paul, pressing toward the mark, moving forward. We better not be talking about all these things. Oh, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm going to minister here and do that and then not do nothing about it. You better not get a call from God and not answer. Don't be sending the Lord to voicemail. <laughs> he don't do voicemail. He'll just hang up. He said, I'm calling you now. I'm talking to you now. I'm pricking your heart right now. I'm moving on you right now. I'm laying this burden in your lap right now. I need somebody. I need an army. I need laborers. For the harvest. But the fruit's going to die on the vine if somebody don't get busy about the Lord's business. There is a reward waiting for the intentional life. And you can stand with me this, this evening. In Psalm 119, the word, in 105, I tell you, the Word of God will help keep you intentional. You're going to have a hard time living for Him without this Word in your life. But the Word of God, it'll keep you intentional because it'll correct you. It'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you. It'll chastise you sometimes. <laughs> it'll break your heart sometimes. It'll make you laugh and it'll make you cry. But it will keep you on the right path. The psalmist said, The Word, your Word, is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Then he said, I have sworn and I will perform it. That's intentional. 
that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much, so quicken me, Lord, according to your word. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgment. My soul is continually in my hand, but I will not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not err from your precepts. He ain't let nothing move him off God's word. Your testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. And finally, he said, I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. You'd almost think Paul wrote that. For I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I held on to the end. So tonight while she's playing, if you have time to do it, if you don't have to go get your children, why don't you come find a place in the altar? Or if you need to, just make an altar there at your chair for a moment. And just let the Lord know, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I've made a decision, Lord, to follow you. I answered when you called, and I'm not turning back now. And if you'll be intentional, let me tell you, the Lord will be intentional about keeping you.